The views and opinions of the EDGE podcast do not necessarily represent those of Education USA, U.S. Department of State, or the U.S. government. Welcome to The Edge, the Education USA Global Exchange Podcast, broadcasting from the central nervous system of our global network, Washington, D.C. Everybody and welcome back to The Edge, the Education USA Global Exchange. My name is Adina Archer and I am your host. I'm super excited about bringing this episode to you all today. It's a relatively short one, but it does highlight some of the services that we offer to the higher ed community. When we started this podcast, we not only wanted to engage in community building and in professional development, but we also wanted to highlight some of the many, many services that we offer to our higher ed community in the United States. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please send any feedback you have to podcasts at educationusa.org. So I want to welcome our guest, Danny Vinales and Albino Gamas. Hi, everyone. So happy to be here today. My name is Danny Vinales. I am a special projects manager with the Education USA team, but my focus is on the FAIR portal for registration and a few other cool little projects on the side. And I've been with EdUSA coming on one year now. And my name is Albino Gomez, and I work with the platform, and I have been with EdUSA for almost nine months now. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about fairs, and I wanted to start by talking about virtual engagement, right? So during the pandemic, we saw a really, really, really quick pivot to virtual. We just had to. Everyone was on lockdown, and we had centers Depending on the day, we have about 380 centers around the world, um, and we had some centers who just really didn't have a lot of resources, and they were doing the absolute best they could with the resources that they had, and just really creative tools. Some of them were making, you know, kind of these free Google web pages, and then they were having the, their higher ed friends use their own Zoom accounts. Like that was sort of happening, and then you had centers that you know had a lot of resources, and then could go out and and use some of these virtual platforms that we're talking about. So as we did that pivot, Albino, can you talk a little bit about what we learned during? that time and, you know, what we've held on to now that we're in this sort of post-pandemic, endemic era. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that we learned was that there is a need, you know, just to be able to have continued engagement even during a lockdown and during all this stuff that happened. And so I think that's where, you know, we saw that need and that's where the platform comes in. And I have two examples of that, but the first one being in Sub-Saharan Africa. As you mentioned, this is one of the areas where they had fairs. And they were doing a great job, but we just had one with the platform. And I think it just sort of streamlined everything for them. And not only that, but the reach that we were able to, to achieve. We had over 30 different countries um, in the sub-Saharan area, as well as we had students from all over the world that were originally from that area, but were, you know, had moved abroad, but were still able to participate in that fair. Uh, thanks to the platforms. Yeah, and I, I want to go back. Many people listening know that I have a, a background in the recruiting world. And when I was putting together like my strategy many years ago for Africa, just sort of looking at where we could be, where where we had the resources to spend money, and frankly, not just in Africa, but really all over the world, where we couldn't go, right? And you know, you you could reach out to centers at that time and maybe do a little bit of you know kind of one on one or maybe get some colleagues together, but you didn't really have this reach that you have now. And so the idea of having a fair, not just with students from all over the continent, but students in the diaspora as well. That's a really powerful thing. Absolutely. And another example that I kind of wanted to talk about 
was a fair that we had in Spain. And so instead of, you know, having this big fair, another thing that we've sort of learned is, okay, what are the next steps? How can we not only reach the students, but how can we go deeper? And so what they did is, you know, have a smaller fair, but a more individualized fair. So again, this idea of we could have a, a great reach at the same time with the use of the, the platform, we can also hone in deeper in, into what students really need and how we can, you know, best serve them as well. Yeah. So make it kind of a little individualized depending on the center or the region or whatever. So I'll be with this platform that we have, right? So before, if you were engaging with EdUSA around the world, you were going in, you know, the higher, our higher ed friends were going in, they had to set up their booth, they had, you know, all of this sort of technical stuff, which I'm not really <laughs> quite qualified to talk about. Talk about the benefits of having this platform for the entire, for the entire network. Absolutely. There, there are quite a few benefits. Just a few that I'd like to mention. Uh, the first one is sort of that uniformity. We have a streamlined process and whether you're going to a fair in sub-Saharan Africa, in Spain, you know, or in South Asia, the process is going to be the same. And so what that allows is that the setup is a lot easier and we can build a fair, break it down a lot faster and continue on to the next one. Another benefit for our colleagues in, in higher ed is that, again, because it is one platform, you can continue using the booth that you created for another fair. So again, you don't have to spend a whole lot of time recreating that aspect of the fair. You can say, you know, I'm going to sign up for this or that fair and continue using that booth. And, you know, we're there along the way to help you with that. And, you know, it just makes it easier for, again, for student engagement and for schools to participate in multiple fairs. And one last thing I think that also just, again, with this idea of one platform for all, for all of our centers is that because of the uniformity, we can streamline and ease the lift of our centers around the world. And so what that means is that they can focus more on marketing and more on other aspects of the fair. And we provide the help in the administrative and technical aspects of the fair. And again, so all this idea of just having one platform is really beneficial to our centers and our colleagues in, in higher ed. Ultimately, with the, the idea of reach and being able to get out there and really impact students. Yeah, I think that's great. So really, the platform from the center perspective, they don't have to do the administrative and tech, they can really focus on what they do well, which is recruiting those students and bringing those students in. And then I think you said our higher ed friends, like once they create a booth for one fair, they can reuse that booth for other fairs. Is that correct? Yes, definitely. So our colleagues in higher ed do not have to recreate the booth each time for every fair. And so that's absolutely a great benefit for them, you know, because that means that they can participate in a fair one week and the next week they can continue using that same booth. And we also do work with each program. So, you know, it depends if it's an undergrad or a grad program, we can definitely help you out with that. But really, I think the best benefit of that is that even if the fairs are, you know, a little bit different, again, it, just having that framework already built, you can just go in and sort of quickly update it. And of course, you know, we provide a lot of help, any technical assistance, anything of that. We're definitely always there to help. But ultimately, I think the best benefit of this is that your school is able to participate in multiple Education USA fairs quickly and be able to, you know, update as needed without having to start from scratch for each one of them. So we know that a lot of universities are structured so there's like a centralized undergrad admission and then you might have three, 10, 12 different grad schools. They're going to have their own programs. So with those schools, undergrad could have their own and let's say like the engineering school could have their own. Is that correct? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And we've had, you know, different experiences. Some of the schools 
are a little bit smaller and they work together well. And so they would prefer to have one or two booths that they can update, whereas other schools prefer to have their own. And so absolutely, if that's the way that they want to go, we can definitely build one specifically just for that engineering school or for the you know the art school in, in that particular school. Absolutely. Wonderful. We're going to take a break and then we'll come back to talk a little bit about another product that we have for our colleagues in higher ed. Hi, this is Julie Baer from the Open Doors team at the Institute of International Education. Do you need data or information on international students to help you develop recruitment plans or guide your international education strategy? The Open Doors data is here to help you. We recently released the latest information about international student enrollment, along with insights about US study abroad and the global landscape of student mobility. And all of this information can be found on our website at opendoorsdata.org. The Open Doors website has comprehensive resources and the most up-to-date information about the number of international students in the United States, where students come from, what fields they major in, and how they fund their studies. You can access this information through downloadable data tables, interactive visualizations, infographics, and the recording of this year's annual data release, where expert speakers provided an overview of the key findings from the most recent data. In addition to the latest facts and figures, opendoorsdata.org also has information going back 20 years to help you understand how these trends have changed over time. We hope that the Open Doors data will be your go-to resource as you plan for the future of international student mobility. If you are interested in receiving updates about the Open Doors data releases, sign up on our website and please reach out to us at opendoors at iie.org if you ever have any questions. So welcome back, everybody. Again, my name is Adina Archer, and we're talking about Education USA Fairs. And I want to tell a little story about, again, my time in higher ed, and specifically with Education USA Fairs, because it used to be that you didn't always know about a fair. There's a website, and sometimes the fairs were on the website, but you really weren't sure you know, when the registration was opening. I had to keep a big spreadsheet of all the fairs around the world. Payments were sometimes just a nightmare. One fair circuit might have had three or four different payment mechanisms, and that has all been fixed. So, Danny, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've developed? So, Adina, thank you for bringing up those really great points. Like you mentioned, there were a lot of sore points, a lot of different things that we heard from our colleagues in higher ed, from our advising teams that they really wanted to iron out in order to create a more seamless process. And while this began as an initially in-person registration portal, the pandemic quickly pivoted it to a hybrid, <laughs> in-person, virtual. We, we handle all of those things now, <laughs> happily. But one of the best parts is that with this centralization of the registration platform, the portal has served as a form of connectivity. Around the world, you can sit down at your laptop and type in educationusafairs.org and you will be able to see a full list of events happening across the world at that moment. You can see everything that's put up in an ad hoc fashion, and you get to see even a really cool map that's all highlighted and has beautiful pinpoints 
letting you know what's going on in the next few months for the fair circuits. The map is my favorite part. And I think most of our friends who are doing international ed, we all love maps. So that's really yes. the best. <laughs> maps are truly a highlight for this realm of education. For sure. <laughs> so we talked a little bit earlier about sort of the lift that our centers had during the pandemic before we had our platform, right? And mm-hmm. and the platform is where the fairs are actually held. We're talking about a portal. They both begin with P, so sometimes we get it confused. Yes. But we're talking about a registration portal where folks can go in and register for all the fairs around the world. Talking about our centers, so not about our higher ed friends who are listening right now, but some of our centers how does this serve our centers? So for a lot of our centers, whether there was an infrastructure built out to handle these processes for fairs and tours or not, the fair portal has provided an outlet for them to sit down, have their fair or their tour forms, submit them the necessary information, and immediately once they go through the approval process, they have access to a portal that focuses on providing payment options, whether it be credit card, bill later with check or wire transfer for the colleagues in higher ed to make sure that they get their registration set. It also has a really good ability to lift a lot of the little administrative burdens that come with having to put everything up on the website for the fairs, setting up a tour breakdown on the website, having to go through the terms and conditions. All of these things are found in the EdUSA fair portal. So it really makes it a lot easier for everyone to interact with it, especially for the centers that we've worked with in the past, they do mention that this is just taking a big load off of them. Mm-hmm. They get to interact with the portal, see where registration numbers are, pull reports for things, and not need to really go digging for this information. So it provides them more opportunity and less stress so that they can work on how to connect at these fairs and tours, how to engage these students. And we see amazing student attendance numbers as a result. So I want to go to higher ed or higher ed friends in a second, but one more piece of the portal, right? So for our centers, a lot of our centers keep their own contact lists, right? So a lot of our center own centers, they have their own newsletters that go out and stuff. So when they're promoting a fair, they have their own list that they send out to, but this portal offers a bigger reach. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. So as everyone has kind of hinted at, Centers have their databases and their full contact list for our colleagues in higher ed, for attendance pieces especially. But with the FAIR portal, one of the biggest things that you see in terms of cross-registration, in Mm -hmm. a sense, Mm -hmm. because the website has everything in one place, when you're going in based on an email that you receive, let's say, from one of our regions saying to go sign up for the tour fair and you're very excited, when you go in to log in and register, you also get to see all these other fairs and tours happening. So you can sign up for multiple. It's kind of like getting the best option at an a la carte restaurant, Mm -hmm. but with higher education and amazing connections. I love that. I love that. So I told you about my experience and spreadsheets and different payment methods. And sometimes I could do credit cards and sometimes I could do a check and it would go to to this embassy or that embassy. So I want to hammer the point home that is as higher ed folks go in, they can see everything in one place. They can do all of this in one place. They can pay for everything all in one place. Is that correct? Yes. Once they go in and go to educationusafairs.org, they submit an application to get approved into the portal. 
And once they get that, they will be able to go in, sign up for any of their fares, complete their basic account information so they have access to the things needed. And they also, once they have fares that they've registered for, can do the terms and conditions, answer any additional questions, which usually for some places includes visa information. So that's been incredibly helpful. And you can even pay and add on different parts of a fare tour, like a school visit mm -hmm. or an excursion that's happening while you're at that circuit. Mm -hmm. And best part too, the discounts are also applied in the portal. Okay. So you really don't have to reach out for anything more than letting the admin team for that center know that you signed up. But I promise you, they'll know before you because they have the registration management piece. And so these discounts are often when there's a tour or circuit, if you do a few, you get, how does that work? Yeah. yeah. I, know, um, I know it's different for every center, but how does that course. work? So for most centers, they'll be able to set up, let's say a few centers partner and do a tour. When they partner to do the tour, Sometimes they'll be able to offer, if you attend every single stop of the tour, we'll give you a percentage off. Mm -hmm. In the fare portal, we get to apply those discounts automatically instead of having to go back and forth and have to worry about how it gets transferred over, how do we subtract it. Now we have a discount function. So that gets to just be very seamless in the process. And it means that you don't have a lot of money moving in and out of your university accounts. And so Danny, if I'm a higher ed recruiter right now and I'm listening and I have no budget, well, should I even be using this portal? Oh, of course, of course. This portal serves for more than just being able to pay for things. It's a connection. Mm -hmm. It is interaction. There are free fares there for you to sign up for. And more often than not, registering and getting your foot in for a lot of the places that these fares are being held is good enough of a connection. So the free fares are a good option. If you see anything that is lower budget, which there is a range of pricing on the portal, you can sign up for that as well. It really caters to every different kind of recruitment background or needs that the higher ed friends really need. Right. So we've got virtual fairs on the portal. We've got in-person fairs on the portal. We have fee-based fairs on the portal. And to be clear, we don't set the fees centrally. Each center is going to set those fees, right, yes. based on their needs, because they might be renting a venue, right, mm -hmm. or, or something. They might be having to have buses or security or something like that, right? So there's going to be varying costs, right? And then we have free fairs. Yep. So the one thing that I did want to caution at this point in time with the fair registration portal is that fares are added ad hoc. And this may be something that we can address in the future, but it's really important to understand that when you go in this week, right, it might look different next week. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So since these fares are also just put into the system for the portal on an ad hoc basis, like you mentioned, it can look very different one week versus the next. I always recommend for our colleagues in higher ed, just check it every week. Make sure that you look at what's going on. You will most likely see a new fare there every other week at the absolute minimum. And oftentimes that also provides you an ability to check in on any high level fares that you'd want to do. We have notification systems for fairs that are on the site where registration is not open yet so you can do things like that nice. yeah um but i also really encourage our colleagues in higher ed to also look at our hei newsletter and looking at the different pieces of comms that come from our social media outlets because that's another really good way to keep yourself just reminded and fresh on what's going on to be able to go into that portal and check too yeah, and so I will put a little plug in um, for those who are on Facebook. We do have a Facebook group just for recruiters or just for folks in higher ed. And that is facebook.com slash edusahei for higher ed institution. Again, facebook.com slash edusahei. Any final thoughts from you guys as we wrap this up? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd just like to say again, kind of the benefits of having one platform or have it all be central 
And I think one thing that I'd really like to say is that because of this platform, it allows for obviously large events, but they don't necessarily need to be large events. And they can also be in, in an off cycle time period. Yes. So again, if you wanted to participate in a fair or, you know, a center that would love to participate in a fair, you know, absolutely reach out to them and, you know, we can make it work using the platform. Yeah, and that off-cycle thing is really important. We tend to do our recruiting, you know, maybe mid-August to sometime in November and then again a little bit in the spring, but there are opportunities with the platform to do something off-cycle. And, you know, I think that that's, that's really important, particularly if you're looking at a new region, you know, that, that can be really helpful. I would like to say thank you for having us here. It's been Absolutely. really fun. Yep. And another really big thing is that with this FAIR portal being really the answer to a lot of calls from both our residence centers, our colleagues in higher ed, to address some of the things that seem to have been pain points mm -hmm. and now are smoothing out more, it also is a central space for connection and community building and for further growth in our network and outside of our network. So I really do encourage anyone who's interested in signing up for different fairs, tours, taking a look at it. The map is pretty cool. It's reason enough to go on there. Honestly. It really is. <laughs> go check out edusafairs.org, everyone. And really, we hope you enjoy it. And they could go today yeah. and create a profile for themselves. Oh, 100%. Just don't lose your passwords. <laughs> please don't. If you lose your passwords, just let us let know. Us know. <laughs> they let us know at fairs at educationusa.org. But the website, again, is educationusafairs.org, just to, just to mix yeah. things up. So fairs at educationusa.org, that's the email address. And educationusafairs.org is, is the website. I want to thank you both for being here today. Very informative. I hope that this gets our friends out in the recruiting world excited about what's going on here in the network. I hope it eases the burden for the heavy lift that they have and for the heavy lift that our centers, our wonderful advisors have as well. Thank yeah. you both. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you found that informative all about our fairs, our virtual fair platform, and our fair registration portal. We also wanted to remind you all about our upcoming forum in Cape Town, South Africa in May. And while we will not be hosting a forum in D.C. this year, we will have an enhanced presence at NAFSA, which is in D.C. this year. We will also be announcing our next forum, which will be in the fall in our SCA, our South and Central Asia region. And then, of course, we want to see you all back in D.C., in 2024 for our 25th anniversary celebrations. The views and opinions of the EDGE podcast do not necessarily represent those of Education USA, US Department of State, or the US government.